we are going to be speaking with Brigadier General Patrick Michaelis, the commander of Fort Jackson in Columbia, South Carolina. Fort Jackson was established in 1917 to train fighting men for World War I. Today, it is the largest of the four basic combat training installations in the Army, training roughly 60% of all of the Army's basic combat training load. Brigadier General Michaelis grew up in the military and was commissioned into the Army in 1993. He has held numerous positions of leadership in the Army and has also had deployments in Bosnia, Iraq, and Afghanistan. Michaelis was also an assistant professor at the United States Military Academy in West Point, New York, where he taught leadership and management in the Department of Behavioral Sciences. Tell us about your journey to Columbia, South Carolina, becoming the commander of Fort Jackson. Yeah, so I'm an Army brat. Uh, I was born in Germany in 1971, uh, son of, a, of an Army officer and grandson of, a, of an Army Air Corpsman from World War II. Uh, so uh, I joined the Army of a commission from Texas A&M in 1993 um, because it was the next natural best thing for me to do. It was there was never any pressure for me to be in the Army and in the military. It just I just grew up in that environment, and it was a natural extension of life. Uh, so I was commissioned in '93. Um, spent some time overseas. Uh, first assignment in uh, in Germany in 1994. Uh, first deployment to Bosnia in support of the implementation force in 1996. Uh, I've come back to the United States, uh, Fort Hood, Texas for a few years, went to grad school at the Harvard Kennedy School, taught at West Point, uh, taught leadership uh, and management in the Department of Behavioral Sciences there. Uh, from there, I went back to Fort Hood uh, to work directly for the commanding general and in support of Operation Iraqi Freedom II. Um, and then another deployment as a, as a brigade operations officer in support of Iraqi freedom from 06 to 08. Uh, came back and worked in my first corporate job for the Army, which is in the Pentagon, working as a special assistant to the Vice Chief of Staff of the Army. And after that, I went to command a, a battalion, uh, a squadron in Fort Lewis, Washington, and, and from there deployed to uh, Afghanistan. Uh, spent about nine months in Afghanistan. And after that assignment, um, went uh, to the Army's War College in Carlisle, Pennsylvania, uh, and then commanded an organization I never thought I'd command, a recruiting brigade responsible for the accessions in the Southeast United States, did that for about two years, and then back to corporate Army, working as an executive officer for the Undersecretary of the Army at the time, who eventually became the Secretary of the Army. And then to Fort Riley, Kansas, as the Deputy Commanding General there, um, and, uh, and spent some time in Eastern Europe with all the stuff happening in Ukraine right now. Uh, was uh, operational commander for all the rotational forces in Eastern Europe for about seven months. And then back to Fort Knox as the, as the recruiting command, deputy commanding general for two years. And then a year ago, I show up here. Uh, best job I've ever had in the Army here at Fort Jackson. Who were some leaders that inspired you? I, I think I learn every day how to be a better leader. So I could go all the way back to my youth, watching my father as a, an army officer, um, talking to my grandfather and his his um, experiences in World War II and his time in the in the Air Force. Uh, I when I went to college, um, I studied military history. So. Um, deep dove into uh, the, the captains of, 
uh, military history all the way back to to the you know, Hannibal, to Frederick the Great, to Napoleon, to the Civil War. Um, you know, Grant and Sherman are are, are great um, uh, icons to me of uh, of strategic and tactical and operational leadership. Fast forward to World War II. I'm, uh, fascinated with uh, in, in my early days, George Patton. Um, you know, there's there's cavalry uh, paraphernalia all around my my office here, um, and kind of grounding with uh, with with what he represented. But as I've grown, Eisenhower has become a, a great person to to emulate, as and even more so George Marshall in this role as the chief of staff of the army. And then in my time within the Army, I've had great, great mentors. Um, the current uh, Training and Doctrine Command Commander, um, General Funk, I've served with him off, off and on for the last 25 years. He's always allowed me to fail and learn from those failures. Uh, I've got the great opportunities to work with uh, the former Vice Chief of Staff of the Army, uh, General Pete Corelli, who, is, who retired in 2012, lives out in uh, Fort Lewis, Washington. And, and you learn from the people you're around, um, working at the corporate level of the Army, watching uh, the, the balance between the Secretariat and Headquarters DA, watching the current Chief of Staff of the Army, uh, General McConville, and the previous Secretary of the Army, Ryan McCarthy, and that civil-military um, um, uh, interaction there and how we move uh, our Army forward and our nation forward. So I, I also learned from the from the people that work for me and around me every single day. I've got great brigade commanders here on post, uh, great partners here on post, and, and, and I tend to, my leadership style is one where I, I tend to want to be very collaborative. I can be decisive when I need to, but I, what I'd rather have is, is the full breadth and depth um, behind a, an issue before we make a decision. You, know, you almost like a collaborative command perspective here is everybody has a voice. Uh, and, and as we think about these big decisions that affect Fort Jackson, which also affect the entire Army, um, I'd rather have that, that conversation first before making the decision. Give us a brief history of Fort Jackson. Fort Jackson was um, one of the 32 camps that were created around the Southeast United States in support of World War I. Uh, so, a $50,000 grant from the Columbia Chamber of Commerce bought the land on behalf of the federal government um, in 1917, and uh, Fort Jackson was created to, to train the 81st Division, which is still have a presence here on post today. After World War I, it went dormant, and during World War II, it was stood back up as a, as a federal post, uh, training eight of the divisions that fought in World War II. And after World War II, it went into essentially what it's designed for today, which is training um, citizens to become soldiers and developing leaders for the Army and for the nation. Talk about your areas of focus at the fort in 2022 and beyond. I uh, went through a 90-day review uh, when I came on board, just like anyone at this level should probably do. Uh, where I really started to ask some questions over, over what we're doing here at Fort Jackson is in line with uh, what the Army's telling us to do and where society's at today. And most of the priorities that were, that were on the board were the right ones, and I added some others. So I have four priorities that I, that, that I organize the entire post around uh, and all of our decision 
uh, battle rhythms that we have here on, on Fort Jackson. Uh, the first is our core purpose, which is training and developing leaders. So training and developing leaders is, is, is why Fort Jackson exists. And when we think about training, we think about Fort Jackson being the gateway to the Army. Um, roughly 60% of anyone who enlists in the Army comes to Fort Jackson and goes through the transformational experience from citizen to soldier. So we want to make sure that is a first-class experience in a 10-week period that psychological and physical transformation um, that allows these young men and women from wherever they come from, uh, from any walk of life, to come here and be proficient to be able to shoot, move, communicate, and survive, but also a transference of, a, of the Army's values, which are a subcomponent or a function of national values, which are a function of universal truths. We want that transference uh, um, into their character that they carry forward to the, to the Army itself. The second priority that uh, I spent a lot of time on um, is, is a concept called people first. Um, and it is, it's, a, it's an absorption of, of some Army directives that really focus the energy of the post's uh, programs um, and capabilities towards uh, our workforce. And our workforce comprises of our, of our cadre, the drill sergeants that are here on post, the staff that surrounds them, uh, the civilian workforce that's on post here that helps, uh, helps keep Fort Jackson running. So the idea behind People First is how do you enable, empower, and protect formations and people, and that people, again, the soldiers, civilians, and their families, to be their natural best, right? To be the best version of themselves. And you would think it's a, it's a, simple, it's a simple definition, but you unpack it. Um, and this is where I spent a lot of my time. Enable essentially means how do I take these different programs we have on post here, anywhere from health and holistic fitness, where we focus on five aspects of, of resilience, um, to our Army wellness centers, uh, to our Army community service capabilities we have here on post, and align them in a way that there is access across uh, the post uh, between those soldiers, uh, civilians, and their families to tap into it. That's where the empower comes into play, the time and space. So empower, enable and empower, and then protect. So we know that, um, that there has been a rise in what we call harmful behaviors across, uh, across uh, the United States. So how do we get left of that, get upstream for lack of a, a more eloquent term, and it's a, it's a recent term we've been in, in literature today, in business literature, how do you get upstream of, of, of harmful behaviors? So we're implementing uh, across the post programs that help us um, recognize in this, in this melting pot of America that happens here at Fort Jackson, um, what it means to treat each other with dignity and respect. To get left of harmful behaviors, um, such as sexual harassment, such as suicide ideation, such as racism and extremism, in a way that we do it through education and we do it through programs itself. So that's kind of the construct of people first as a second priority. What are the third and fourth priorities? The third priority is quality of life. Uh, and when I look at that, uh, we've got a great team here, our installation management team, um, that focuses on a, a bit of the mechanics of running a post. It's a small city. Um, everything you need to run a city happens here on Fort Jackson. So 
when I look at our, our barracks that we have for our trainees and the soldiers, when I look at the dining facilities we have here on, on post, when I look at the privatized housing, we have about 850 families that live here on post itself. Um, these are things, and then, and then how do we provide for morale, welfare, and recreation of those families? So that they, they want to come back to Fort Jackson. The, the role of, of our drill sergeants here is a rather tough one. Right? They, are, they are the beacon, they are the coach, teach, and mentor, they are the disciplinarian of, it's basically like being a, a mother or a father, right? a surrogate mother or father to 45,000 trainees that come through here. They're up early in the morning. They get up 3, 3.30 in the morning to come into work and they put them to bed at night, the trainees at night at nine o'clock and they get home about 10 o'clock at night and they go home, eat dinner, and then turn around and do it all over again. But, they, but these cadre also have families, right? And they have kids that are in school and spouses that wanna work or wanna be part of the community itself. How do we provide for their quality of life in a way that, uh, that they go, you know what, this was a tough assignment. Um, it's a tough assignment to train tomorrow's potential, um, but this is a place that we enjoyed and we want to come back to. That's what quality of life actually means to me. And then the fourth um, priority is community engagement, both external and internal. So, um, it, you know, we made a contract with ourselves as a nation um, 48 years ago by becoming the all-volunteer force. So. What's happened because in all volunteer forces were smaller, more technical, more sophisticated, more capable than we've ever been. All right, but coupled that smaller force with also uh, what we did to access to post camps and stations after 9-11, we basically closed down the posts here. Uh, in many ways, we've become more disconnected to society than we've ever been. Uh, that civil military divide uh, is one that I, that I think about a lot. And I think about how do we reconnect America to our army? And we do it through community engagement. So we've utilized or used the, the leadership and capabilities here on post to, to, to extend a hand, to outreach, to connect uh, back to the Midlands, to South Carolina, to the nation itself, whether it's partnerships with schools, uh, the local high schools and, and, and middle schools here in Richmond one and two, um, to go out and talk to the Rotaries and the Chambers of Commerce, uh, to pair with the universities. Uh, we've got uh, relationships with USC. Um, we're pulling in Clemson uh, and all the different uh, universities uh, that, are, that are in and around the area itself. Um, how do we reconnect America to our army? Because you think about it, 50 to 75 miles outside our post camps and stations. Most people don't know the difference between this uniform and a Coast Guard uniform. And it's not because we're bad people. It's just because, because the connection of America to her, to her military is much less today than it was before. In 1990, 46% of us could have, could have named someone in close proximity to us that was serving in the military or had a direct connection to the military. Today, that's about 13%. So that's, 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 a, that's a, a real challenge to us, right? How do we connect back to uh, America in a way that allows us to, to dispel the myths of what it means to serve. You know, most people that live, there, there are people that live right off post here that have never been on post because we closed the front gates, right? So I wanna open those gates up. I wanna allow people to have the opportunity to see what, it, what an army post look like. 
right? We opened up some services here on post here that, that, that we had shut down because of COVID and because of security concerns to allow people to come on post and observe what it means. But many of us have this, you people our age, the mental image we have of, of what it means to serve is like stripes, right? That's the mental model, right? But that's not the case at all. This is a small city and uh, it's a big family. And uh, we run this, this, uh, this small city in conjunction with, uh, with the local community here because though we have 850 houses here on post for soldiers and their families, there's 3,200 permanent party uh, soldiers and their families and 5,000 civilians right, that work here on post. So they are part of Columbia. They are part of the Midlands. They're part of the communities. And this is a big piece of, of this connecting America to our army and community engagement. So those are the four. Training and developing leaders, all right, people first, quality of life, and, uh, and community engagement. What are you most proud of in terms of accomplishments at Fort Jackson? I'll tell you what I'm most proud of is every Thursday morning at nine o'clock on Hilton Field here on, on Fort Jackson. I watched the graduation of anywhere between 500 and 1200 citizens that become soldiers. And I, and I watched the emotion in their, in their eyes. And, I, and, and in that ceremony, we've got somewhere between two to 5,000 family members that are in the stands. And they fly from all over the United States and all over the world to watch their loved one graduate. And to see every time I ask the question of a family member, does he or she look different? Oh yeah. Do they act different? Oh yeah. Well, tell me about that. And they'll just go on for, for minutes about it. That to me is what I'm most proud of, is giving that transformational experience that we provide here. Um, and all those soldiers leaving here, the best version of themselves at that particular point in time. And then maybe motivating them in some way, shape or form to say, continue this journey. So to shift topics on, on Fort Jackson and the local community here. I mean, we're, we're pretty proud of, the, of, of being a partner, um, being part of the community here for Columbia and the Midlands itself. You know, we talk about, um, I talked about this, this, this uh, the graduation every week of, of soldiers here, but that brings in a huge amount of business into the local area here. So we get about a quarter million visitors to post that are family members of the trainees that are graduating here. So that's, that's about one to $1.5 million worth of investment in the local community every week, right? And that really translates to between, between um, the service industry that supports the area around Fort Jackson and, um, and, and the basic work we do here on Fort Jackson itself translates into about a $2.3 billion um, investment into the local community every year. So we know that we have a pronounced economic impact on Columbia and the Midlands itself. And we wanna to continue to foster that um, in, in the relationships we have with local business and industry, the relationships we have with the Chamber of Commerce, the relationships we have with Columbia, um, in, in promoting a much richer um, uh, connection between business and industry and Fort Jackson itself. What are a couple of books that you might recommend, maybe one fiction and one nonfiction? So the book that I'm reading uh, that's had the most impact of me uh, over the last six months has been Simon Sinek's Infinite Game. 
In fact, uh, he's really unpacking of the purpose of business um, before the early 1970s and what it is today has really kind of inspired me on this whole people first uh, initiative here where it's an investment in the workforce and by that investment in the workforce you get a better output in terms of the organization itself and that's really kind of resonated with me. I think one of my favorite um, um, books of fiction uh, would be Once an Eagle. Uh, so Once an Eagle, Anton Meyer, written um, I think in the late 60s, early 1970s about about uh, the journey of two officers through the officer corps from World War II all the way up through Vietnam. And the, and the comparing and contrasting between a staff uh, approach and a, and a leader-centric approach. Um, and every time I read that book, I learn something else based on where I'm sitting today. The, the, the lessons I gathered as a lieutenant are a lot different than the lessons I've gathered as a general officer. So those would be the two books. And maybe to wrap up, tell us a little more about you personally, maybe how you balance career and outside interests. You know, what makes me tick are the four girls uh, that, uh, that, that my wife and I have. Um, it's, uh, one's in college, one's married to an Army Ranger, two are in the ninth grade right now, and, and they, uh, they keep me alive every single day, uh, that energy that they provide to us. Um, I, I'm a, I have lots of hobbies and I'm not good at any of them. Right, so um, I, I, my wife and I like to go RV camping. Um, I like to fly fish, I'm not any good at that. I like to play golf, I'm not any good at that. Um, we've ridden cross country on my motorcycle. We like to do that quite a bit. Um, in fact, that, uh, that whole idea of getting on a motorcycle and riding uh, means I'm completely focused on one thing. Um, and and that, that to me is, is, uh, is really uh, allows me to, to focus on, you know, to, to be focused on one thing for a long period of time because uh, you don't want to dump the bike. Um, you know, is is really important part of me just kind of working through things. It's almost a level of meditation that, that happens there. So, 